0: Turn turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. Luke 15, 11 through 32. I'm going to take you to a passage of Scripture that I touched on probably a year and a half or so ago. I didn't preach on it, I just touched on it. I referenced it in another sermon. And. I haven't preached out of this passage of Scripture in years. It's, it's a passage of Scripture that Charles Dickens says is probably the greatest short story ever written. It's a passage of Scripture that is wrought with principles and concepts. I could preach an entire series on this passage. However, today I just want to highlight some of the things that God has highlighted for me. And I want to change it up a little, so I want you to follow me upstairs. I want you to go to the very end of the chapter, verse 32 verse 32 i feel like this is what god is doing verse 32 i want to use the last verse to introduce this message you see in chapter 15 you have a story about a wayward son who's left and now he's returned home and as he's returned home restoration has happened with his family reconciliation has happened it's it's all it's all good in fact this is prophetic for someone in here today maybe many of you because you're hoping that this Christmas these holidays home for the holidays this series that we're in you're hoping that restoration will happen in your family you've been waiting on better let me tell you something god can do better god is about to do better in your life god is good at returning things that the enemy has in returning things that the enemy has stolen from you how many of you know what I'm talking about Maybe the enemy's never stolen anything from you because that would excite me to know that my God is concerned about returning the things that the enemy has stolen from me. That's what happens in this story. In fact, in verse 32, let me show you something. Verse 32, it says this. We'll give some context to this in a few minutes, but it says, but we had to celebrate. This is the father talking about the son. But we had to celebrate. He's talking to his second son and be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. We have to celebrate. You see, he's He's, high-fiving. He's having this celebration, if you will, because the brother that was dead is now alive. The brother that was lost is now found. I don't know if you've ever been lost, but if you're lost and you find the place that you were supposed to be in all the time, all of a sudden when you find that place, there's a peace, there's a joy, there's a comfort, there's a celebration. I don't know if you've ever been lost in your finances and God showed up and found you with his provision. I don't know if you've ever been lost in relationships but God showed up and found you with restoration. I don't know who I'm talking to in here but maybe this season you're worn out and tired and Jesus showed up with his rest because he's good at returning gifts. He's good at bringing back. He's good at bringing to you all the things that you need. He found us. How many of you are thankful for God? God who found you. Let me, let me just, just high five the person next to you and be seated. Let me, let me just, let me just introduce to you the subject matter. Keep playing. The subject matter for today, the title for today is Returning Gifts. Look at your neighbor and say, Returning Gifts. Let me give some context to this concept. This past week, I was in my closet one morning, preparing to come to work, looking for something to wear. As I'm going through my closet, I'm seeing stuff that I haven't seen before. I I like pull out five shirts, at least, that had tags on them. Never worn them. I went to Kim and I said, I got, there's five shirts that have tags on them. She said, yeah, I'm going to return them. I'm like, oh, no, girl, those are my shirts. You're not going to return them. She said, you've never worn them you've never worn them, you're never going to wear them. So I'm going to return them. I'm going to return them because I'm going to get you something better. I'm going to get you something with it for Christmas. You're never going to wear them, so I'm going to take them back. And all of a sudden, I was celebrating. I was high-fiving. I was high-fiving her frugalness. I was high-fiving the fact that she was thinking about me. I was high-fiving the fact that I'm about to get something better. I was celebrating. And that's what's happening in this story. Where the gift of the son returns to the father and the father celebrates. He kills the fattened calf. He puts a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, a robe on his back. You see, but this week as I was studying this passage of scripture, I I saw things that I've never seen before. I've never noticed before. You see, if you study this passage of scripture, if you ever hear preachers preach on it, they'll say that it's really not a story about a wayward son who's lost in his sin. It's a story about a Messiah who can overcome your waywardness and your lostness by finding you with his grace. And it is that. It's a story about the gift of God's grace. In fact, if you'll remember last week, we talked about how Jesus told Mary and Martha, he said there's one thing that is better, one thing. Choose the thing that is better, one thing that is better, and that is the gift of Jesus. One thing, one thing, one thing that you should have priority on, the gift of Jesus. Commentators will tell you in this passage of Scripture that Jesus is pointing to the gift of the Father. In fact, 12 times in 20 verses, he mentions the Father's name. It just stands to reason that this is a story about the gift of the Father. However, for the first time, I read this story from Jesus' perspective. Three times in chapter 15, Jesus teaches a parable about something that was lost and then returned. He preaches a parable about the lost coin that is returned. He preaches a parable about the lost sheep that is returned. Now he preaches a parable about the lost son that returns. But he closes out the chapter with verse 32 in a celebration fashion with the father celebrating. Why? That tells us that the storyline is not about the gift of the father. The storyline is about the gift that God sees in you. He sees you as the gift. You're the most valuable gift. You see, he created you for greatness. He didn't see the son squandering as as a gift he didn't see the assets that he squandered as a gift he saw the value of the son as a gift and when you return to God and worship him he celebrates when you return to God and give him he celebrates when you return to God and serve him he celebrates the greatest gift that we can give to God it's all of who we are everything that is within us it's called surrender touch your neighbor and say surrender Remember that. We'll come back to that concept in a few moments. But let me take you to the narrative. I want to look at it with a little more specificity as we walk through it. I want to begin in verse 11. But what I need you to grab is that there is so much in this passage of Scripture. I cannot cover all of the concepts. However, I do want to cover the things that God has placed upon my heart. As we look at this Series home for the holidays here you have a son who comes home I think you're going to see some things from this passage of scripture that you've never seen before verse 11 if you're there say I'm there verse 11 says Jesus continued there was a man who had two sons verse 12 the younger one said to his father father give me my share of the estate so he divided his property between them give me my share of the estate circle that give me my share of the estate the son says to the father give me i want it's about me i want give me my share go ahead and give to me my inheritance i want it it's mine you see during that day and age a father could give the inheritance to the son prior to his death or after his death. Generally it happened after his death. But this son was greedy. This son was foolish. This son was like, I want. That's <laughs> mine. I want it. I want it. I want it. I want the bling bling. I want the new Escalade. I want the women on my shoulders. I want the condo on the Mediterranean. I want it. So give it to me. How many of you know that sometimes our kids take, take our generosity for granted? You know what I'm talking about? I want it. Give it to me. It's like, you know, our kids will give us a list for Christmas. What's, what's on your list? And the list is like a mile long. I want a brand new four-wheeler. I want a new shotgun. I want a new PlayStation with a gazillion games. I want a new fishing pole. I want, I want, give me. Praise the Lord, that's not our list, but give me. Give me, give I want it. Give it to me. And then it dawned on me when Jesus is telling this story. He's telling this story from a godly perspective. I, I want you to think about this. When the son says to the father, give me, give me, give me. Everybody say, give me. Jesus, prior to his earth coming, was sitting at the right hand of the father. He was the recipient of prayers. He heard all of the prayers of mankind. Hence, he heard all of the prayers, give me, give me this, give me that, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. We want to receive, but yet we receive, we get, but we forget. We get from God, but yet we forget where the blessing came from. Hence, What happens in verse 13? You have to see it. Verse 13, not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had and he set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. He gathered all that the father had given him and he went to a distant land. He didn't go around the corner. He went to a distant land and the Bible says that he squandered all that he had in wild living. I wonder... How often we squander the assets that God gives us. Hello. I wonder how often we squander the assets that, that God gives to us. You see, Jesus says that he squandered them in wild living. Yes, Jesus is talking about sin, but he's also talking about a sin that we've grown accustomed to. A sin that we tolerate in our lives. And that is the sin of receiving the blessing from God, but forgetting the blessor. That is the sin of connecting with his hand but not connecting with his heart. Hmm. You see, many of us we receive the blessing but yet we don't live as if we're blessed. Oh. We squander the asset. You receive a job from God, but yet you squander it because you refuse to tithe. You receive a marriage from God, but you squander it because you refuse to love your spouse the way Christ loved the church. You receive opportunities from God, but yet you squander them with the excuse of busyness. Give me a minute and I'll hit on something that's close to you i want more we lift up our hands in hopes that we can can connect with his hand but yet we ignore his heart and we go to a distant land that's what it says it says the son gathered all that he had and he left and went to a distant land i wonder how often we connect with the blessing of god but then we disconnect and go to a distant place place of great distance from the precepts of God. We're distant from Him emotionally. We're distant from Him in our finances. We're distant from Him in our marriage. We're distant from Him in our relationships. We're distant from Him. As so I was thinking about this concept, I thought, God, how can I illustrate this so that the people will grab it? And I don't think there's any better way of illustration than, than to go to chapter 17. Just flip with me there. I don't know if I gave you this upstairs, but chapter 17, go to verse 13. Here it is two chapters later, Jesus has finished giving the parable of the lost son, and how people disconnect from the father after they receive the blessing. And then all of a sudden in chapter 17, there's this group of lepers, 10 lepers. Jesus sees these lepers as he's on the way to Jerusalem. And now look what happens. Verse 13, they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. Have pity on us. They stood off in the distance. With a loud voice, they said, Jesus, have pity on us. In other words, they're saying, give me, give me, give me, give me, Gary, give me, give me. And Look what Jesus does. When he saw them, verse 14, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back. Praising God in a loud voice. Someone circle that. Praising God in a loud, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. That's beautiful. But look at Jesus' response in verse 17. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found? to return has no one what what's the word has no one what has no one what Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Has no one, were there not ten who were healed? Were there not another nine who were supposed to return and give praise? Were there not another nine who received the blessing and did not come and turn the blessing into praise? Were there another nine who did not return with their praise? see, when I study a passage of Scripture, thank you, I'm sorry. When I study a passage of Scripture, like chapter 15, I ask myself several questions. One of the questions that I ask myself is, what does the text say? What is the context of the text? And I also like to follow up that question with this question. What does the text say without saying it? In other words, what's in between the lines? And when I look at chapter 15, what I see that is not present is the concept of praise, is the concept of a thankful heart, is the concept of returning back to God with an attitude of praise because of the blessing that He gave you. Now, let me say this to you because I need you to hear this. Without praise in your life, a wall of pride will be erected in your heart. I need you to grab that. I need you to understand it. Without praise in your life, a wall of pride will be erected in your heart because the concept of praise and worship is showing worth and value to something that is greater than you. So if you do not praise a God who is greater than you, that means that you think you're the most valuable thing in your life. Therefore, a wall of pride will be erected in your heart. Hmm. And when a wall of pride is erected in your heart, you'll begin to live a life of self-sufficiency. I can handle this. I can do this. This is my business. This is my marriage. This is my job. This is how I work. I can do this. Let me tell you something. Every blessing that you have received is an opportunity to praise. Let me be a little more specific. Every blessing that you have should be turned into praise. Because Jesus, well, God, all throughout Scripture in the Old Testament and the New Testament, he talks about the people going into the promise. But he also talks about the proclivity of the people to receive the promise, but yet forgive the one who gave the promise. We must turn our blessing into praise. Because if we don't turn our blessing into praise, pride will set in and we'll be on a crash course with destruction because of our own self-sufficiency. If you don't believe me, look at verse 14. Verse 14 of chapter 15, look what it says. It says, after he had spent everything, everybody say everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. Hold on a second. He had received an inheritance that let him do whatever he wanted to do. He, he he lost it all now. Now there's a severe famine. It's gone from bad to worse. There's no longer any women on his shoulder. There's no playstations to play. There's no brand new Escalade. It's been repossessed. There's no condo on the Mediterranean. It was all fun, but now he's broke. He's broke, busted, and disgusted. He's broken emotionally. He's broken financially. He's broken even physically. And because of it, look what happens in verses 15 and 16. It says, So he went and he hired himself out as a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating But no one gave him anything. Hold on a second. Here he is, a man who is now broken. And the need in his life has directed him to do something that no righteous Jew would even consider doing. He's working with pigs. He's in the pig slop. Then it hit me. The Holy Spirit dropped this in my lap. You've got to grab this. The gifts of God cannot bring you eternal joy in and of themselves. If the gifts of God could bring you eternal joy, this man would still be living large and in charge. But the gifts of God cannot bring you eternal joy unless they're joined with your willingness to praise. I I don't know if you're catching this, unless they're joined with your willingness to praise. You've got to make sure that you turn every, every blessing into praise because you can be surrounded by the greatest of stuff. You can be surrounded by all of the blessings. You can be surrounded by all of the gifts, by all of the lights, by all of the trees, by all of the stuff. But if you do not turn those blessings into praise, pride will take up residence in your heart. And that's why David wrote in Psalms chapter 34, I will exalt the Lord at all times, his praise will constantly be on my lips. Magnify the Lord with me. Exalt his name forever because he is the giver of every good gift that's why he says in psalms chapter 103 that i will praise the lord with all of my heart and forget not his benefits because if i'm willing to praise him it connects me with his ability to give to me therefore my praise is the very key that opens up the door to the next blessing in my life somebody give him praise Give him praise, give him praise, give him praise for the blessings that are in your life. You see, this guy was disconnected from God. And he wound up in a pig pen. And the reason why he was in a pig pen is because he chose to be distant from the Father. I love verses 17 and 18. Let me read those to you. Verses 17 and 18 say this. It says, When he came to his senses, I love the implication here. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. Verse 18, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you says when the son came to his senses. I love the implication. When the son came to his senses, it doesn't say that the son was in the pig pen and he began to think about how to better his life. It doesn't say that the son was in the pig pen and he began to blame his father. He began to blame his brother. He began to blame his, his neighbors. He began to blame his, his friends that they got him in this condition. No, it doesn't say that. What it does say is that when his life reached misery, that his mind went heavenly. He began to think of the father. Not began to think of his home, not began to think of his village. He began to think of his father. If only I can get back to my father. What do you do when your worship has been muted by the choices that you've made? What do you do when your worship Been muted by the circumstances in your life. What do you do when your worship has been squelched by the noise in life? Let me tell you something there is a worship, there is a sound that will come out of your mouth that will break every chain that the enemy has placed around you. And your willingness to praise will set you on a path that will meet you, that will meet Jesus, that will meet the Father. And your ability to praise will cause you to rise up above your circumstances, above your problems. Above your difficulties, your willingness to call out to the Father. So the son said, if only I can get to the Father. If only I can meet him again. If only I can go to where he's at. Not because of what he's done, not because of what he can do, not because of all that he's given me. But if only I can go to the Father, I'll even be a hired servant. I just want to get to the presence of the Father. I just want to be where he's at. Not because of what he's done, not because of what he can do, but because of who he is. You see, somebody in this place needs to break out of the pig pen in your life, and the only way you can do that is to praise your way out. Come on, somebody, give him praise. Verse 16, I skipped on purpose. I want you to go back and look at verse 16. Verse 16 troubles me. Verse 16 says this it says, He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. But no one gave him anything. It's kind of ironic here he is at the beginning of the chapter saying father give me give me give me give me now he's in need and no one will give him anything it's sad he's working in the manure of life the pig pen if you will and no one will give him anything and then i thought well hold on a second isn't that our culture we marginalize the problems We marginalize the problems of other people. We see the signs we'll work for food. We ignore them. We turn our heads. We look the other way. We see the opportunities to bless those who need to be blessed emotionally, but yet we're too busy doing our own thing that we ignore their needs. No one gave him anything. This past week, we called the Department of Social Services because we knew that we wanted to sponsor maybe 30 or 40 kids in the foster care system in Cumberland County. We know that there's over 900 kids in foster care in Cumberland County. It's a staggering number. So we told the lady, just give us 30 or 40 names. You choose them, give them to us, and we want to sponsor them. We want to we be able to give them Christmas, and we'll figure out what to do if you'll just give us the names. It doesn't matter, male or female, just give us the names of the kids. And, and, and the lady told us something that absolutely just broke my heart she said can i make a suggestion he said sure you can she said rather than giving to the children would you consider giving to the teenagers she said there are over 200 teens a little over 200 teens in the foster care system she said it seems like at christmas time people do stuff for the young children it just seems to be the big bang for your buck but the teenagers are always ignored no one ever gives them anything. It broke my heart. We began to run some numbers, and we said, well, if we, if we gave them a, a gift card and, and, and we gave them a few other things, what would it cost us to be able to sponsor a uh, hundred? And so we called the lady back, and we said, that'll run us $2,500 to $3,000. We said, give us a hundred names. Give us a hundred names. That was like on Tuesday. Well, on Wednesday, I just felt just led of the Lord to say, nope, we're not doing 100. We're going to do all 200. Give us all 200 names. We know that that's going to cost us five to $6,000. Here we are in a season where we're taking up the offering, the give. We're asking you to be generous. We're asking you to, to turn the blessings that God has given you into praise. And here's an opportunity. So we said, we want to do, we want to take all 200. And the lady was just floored. So on Wednesday night this past week, we started putting bags together. Here's the bags. Ian mentioned the bags a few minutes ago. Inside of the bag will be a $25 gift card for them to use however they want. Inside the bag is earbuds that they can listen to music. Inside the bag is a personalized card that's been written by people in this church. You'll have an opportunity to write a card if you would like after service today so that we can put a card in there that just wishes them a Merry Christmas, gives them a word of encouragement. Inside the bag, I contacted a friend of mine who happens to play for the Indianapolis Colts, who's the tight end. There was an article in the paper about him today. I asked him to do a video sharing his life story, how God changed his life. And so he's doing one that's going to be addressed to the teenagers in the foster care system in Fayetteville. In the bag. No one gave. No one gave. You see, our value is not determined by what we have. It's obvious in this story because what he had was gone just like that. Our value is not determined by what we have. Our value is not determined by what we possess. Our value is not determined by what we gather unto ourselves. He gathered all that he had and he went to a distant land. Our value is not determined that way. Our value is determined by using what we have to bring a blessing to others. That's how your value is determined. Your value's not determined by what you have. Your your value's determined by what you give. Hence, today, you'll have an opportunity at the end of service to give over and above your tides to, to the give. This weekend and next weekend, I'm calling it commitment weekend. Will you give? Will you be a part? Will you help a sponsor? Will you take a card, fill it out, and say, I'll give $5. I'll give $5,000. I'll give whatever God lays on my heart. Place it in the offering plate. We're going to tear off the top portion of this card, and we're going to fasten it to the window that you see when you walk through these doors, and you'll see the presents all over them, just like we did the turkeys. Will you give? Let me take you to verse 19. I've got to move. Verse 19. If you're there, say, I'm there. Verse 19 said, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. Hold on a second. He said, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And then he uses a different terminology. Rather than give me, he said, make me. Gary, rather than give me, he said, make me. David, he said, rather than give me, he said, make me. He said, make me into, make me into, make me into. There is a world of difference between verse 12, give me, and verse 19, make me. There is a world of difference between give to me and make me. One is selfish, one is selfless. One has a lack of surrender, one is total surrender. One is showing self-worth, the other is showing the worth of God. Surrender. 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 Worship is a form of surrender. Your desire to worship will bring God closer to you and your situation. When your words will not work, your worship will. Worship is not just the sound of your voice, it is the posture of your heart. And that's why God calls us to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Make me. Worshiping God is a part of the making process because it's not about the pride in your heart it's about god that is in control of your life you know something that absolutely just shocks me it blows me away it troubles me this scripture this passage of scripture that says when jesus says god is looking he's searching for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth he uses the term searching How can a God who knows everything, who created everything, who sees everything, who hears everything, be searching for anything? Grab that. He says he's searching for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. How can a God who knows everything, sees everything, created everything, be searching for anything unless true worshipers are hard to find? Hello? Some of you are saying, well, Pastor Mark, people are worshiping God all over the the world today. They're calling out, they're crying out to God. Yes, they may be lifting their voice, but there may be no surrender to their heart. You see, the sound of our voice and the lifting of our hands is only one component of worship. But worship is a posture of our heart that is not about God, give me, but rather make me. And I'm going to glorify you, God, if I'm in the pig pen. I'm going to glorify you, God, as a father. I'm going to glorify you, God, as a mother. I'm going to glorify you, God, as a student. I'm going to praise you on my worst day. I'm going to praise you on my best day because you're worthy. somebody give him crazy praise in this place. I thought you'd be on your feet telling him how worthy he is. Listen, 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 listen. Verse 20, verse 20 says this. It says, so he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. So he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Hold on a second. I don't care how far you run. I don't care how fast you run. God chases after you. God chases after you. God chases after you. When you're down and out, you're in the mud. You're in the pit. You're in the pig pen. God chases after you. When you've said things, done things that you should have never said and done, God chases after you. You see, the depth of the son's brokenness was overcome by the depth of God's love. Let me show you what happens after that. Verse 21, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm I'm no longer worthy to be called your son worthy. Listen, God determines your worth. (laughs) You don't no one else does. God determines your worth. He says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. So they began to celebrate. Hold on. I don't know if you're grabbing this. But the son received everything that the father had for him in his inheritance. And he went to a distant land and he squandered it. And all that he was left with was the liabilities. In other words, all of the assets that he had were overcome by the liabilities that he had. And when he comes back to God, he brings back all of his liabilities. But God's endless supply of the asset of love overcame his liabilities. And he said, let's put a robe on his back. Let's put a ring on his finger. Let's put some sandals on his feet. Let's fix his marriage. Let's fix his finances. Let's give him some solutions for his business. Let's touch her emotionally. Let's heal that child. Let's bring that one back to me. I'll do all things that need to be done. All you have to do is run to me but then there's a twist in verse 25 there's another brother there's the brother who stayed at home look what he says it says meanwhile the older son was in the field when he came near the house he heard music and dancing man they were throwing a party." so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on your brother has come he replied and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound the older brother became angry and refused to go in so his father went out and pleaded with him but he answered to but he answered his father he said look all of these years I've been slaving for you and I've never disobeyed your orders watch this Yet you never gave me, even a young goat, so I could celebrate with my friends. He said, you never gave me. He said, you never gave me. You never gave me. You you never gave me. Ryan, you never gave me. You never gave to me. You never gave. Listen, the very same thing that the younger brother said in verse 12, give me. Now the older brother is saying, you never gave me. You never gave. You never gave me. Now, there's something that is very odd to me in this verse of Scripture because he says to the father before he says you never gave to me he said I've obeyed everything you've asked me I've slaved for you in other words what he's saying is that he's been obedient then it dawned on me you can be obedient but still not have surrender in your heart in other words you can do the right things for the wrong reason (laughs) in other words you can receive all the blessings from God but still be ungrateful you got to see something look what he says in Verse 30, verse 30, he says, but when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Hold on a second. He says, you never gave me. You never gave, you never gave me. You never gave to me. You never never gave to me. All of a sudden, we begin to see this, this, not this attitude of surrender, but, but this attitude of selfishness and then something dawned on me. Go back to verse 12. I want you to see this. Go back to verse 12. I changed this up this morning because I need you to see this. Verse 12 says this. It says, The younger son said to the father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between who? He had two sons. He divided his property between them. He said, You never gave me. You never gave me anything. This guy is so ungrateful that he doesn't realize God gave him everything. And he goes on to say this. Look, he says, My son, the father said, you're always with me and everything that I have is yours. How can you say that I haven't given you anything? I've given you everything. Everything that I have is yours. And then I realized that, hold on a second. The Father sees him as the greatest gift. So he gave him everything. And he didn't realize it because there was ungratefulness in his heart. You see, what you need to understand is your reward is not the things. Your reward is the king. Come on, somebody. Your reward is what the king can do in your life. Somebody ought to give him praise because he is our reward come on and give him praise because he's the king of kings so what are you going to do what are you going to do what are you going to give what are you going to bring what are you going to turn into praise this season